Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, a guy who has struggled with perfectionism in my life. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And I'm Jenny, and I'm a person in long-term sobriety. And we're going to talk about perfectionism, because I think a couple of us, maybe all of us, might struggle with that. Um, we do. I know I do. If you're <laughs> going to be perfect, you're going to have to be closer to the mic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, perfectionism. Perfectionism is often defined as the need to be or appear to be perfect, or even to believe that it's possible to achieve perfection. It is typically viewed as a positive trait rather than a flaw. People may use the term healthy perfectionism to describe or justify perfectionistic behavior. So that's interesting. I I think uh, if you talk to the loved ones in my life, they would probably say this. They would probably say this still exists. But it's definitely better. Um, but this idea that, like, I don't know how to be wrong very well. Like, I will drop the piece of toast I'm buttering and quickly look around for who caused the distraction that made me drop it because it couldn't have just been that I fumbled the toast, right? Like, I, I saw that in my sixth step when I did it. Just this idea that, like, I look to blame others when things go wrong or there's got to be a reason something went wrong because left to my own devices, it would just all be perfect in my world. And I was just talking about that with my wife recently. I have heard that's a human characteristic. Like we do that all the time. Like people just, they want to make sense out of, it's your brain. That's your, like whatever they call it, primal brain, monkey brain, whatever that wants to just make sense out of situation. So we'll see bizarre things and then we just make up a story that fits so that it can make sense instead of just being like, should I drop the toast? (laughs) I need to make up some story. Instantly, I knew it's because the butter's slippery. So I'll (laughs) defend you. Well, and and to your point of making up the story, like we do make stories and meanings out of our world. That's really the entire thing the brain does is makes up a reason why it happened to, to fit into our life beliefs. I think the problem comes in when you have a very negative sense of self the need to make that story not prove that your sense of self is true, right? Mm. So if I already hate myself and it's like, fuck, if I drop the butter, the toast that I was buttering, that is going to mean that I really am worthless. I'm fucking well, idiot. Now, <laughs> right now, I really need the, the desire to blame someone else. Like that's way stronger. Whereas if I have a pretty healthy sense of self, it's like, okay, Oops. I dropped the toast. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. So, yeah, maybe the perfectionism isn't necessarily a bad thing or an unnatural thing, but maybe kind of like we talk about the traits we have as people who struggled with substance use. They're not really bad character flaws. They're just traits that are blown out of proportion. And maybe this is another one, like the perfectionism is the fact that we blow it out of proportion, that we can't be wrong because that's like critical of our of our self. Oh, yeah, I think that's definitely part of my story. Like. I think the perfectionism like fed into that shame machine going on in my head. It's like I've, I was always missing the mark and therefore 
you know, feeling worse and worse about myself. And I know that that fueled the drinking and addiction for me. But then when you talked about, you know, you brought up, is there a healthy perfectionism? When I got into recovery, I was AA and I was trying to do the 12 steps perfectly. And that kind of helped me, I think, <laughs> to a point because I like I wanted to, you know, get the sponsor, do the steps, do all the work, you know, service, all that stuff. And it really kind of drug me along. And then I think I got to a point where it was like, I'm just people pleasing, mm. you know. Well, there is a difference and this is where people would describe it as healthy or unhealthy I, for for myself. It's good to be like driven to do your best and to strive to to put out like good quality work and things like that. Where I think it's perfectionism from stuff that I read was when it crosses into like a negative world, when it starts to have – when that drive or that motivation to be perfect – pushes you into unhealthy places in your relationships or in your dealings with others. Like that's when it becomes a negative. I think it can easily become a negative too when failing to miss the mark chips away at your self-worth too. Yeah. 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 Yourself, yeah. It's almost like it's uh, the reliance on the outcome, right? Like perfectionistic tendencies in how you approach doing work or, or doing a project or something, they're not necessarily bad. But when this outcome has such a heavy weight of what it's going to mean about your personal existence or being, well, now that's a huge thing. Like I can do the best I can. Like the whole, the old, I can plan this really well laid out, thought out picnic but then it rains, right? But like if it rains, oh my God, that's going to mean that I'm worthless is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like buying a tent and a canopy and creating a dome and inventing a weather system that manipulates the air. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like there's this extra above and beyond. Whereas I think the healthy person who has a nice relationship with themselves is like, well, I planned a picnic and it rained. We'll do it next Saturday. Yeah, And I guess what I had read that made a lot of sense to me was that as a perfectionist person, I will base my self-worth in a situation on outcomes, not on my efforts. Mm. So like if I'm in sports and I try my best, but I still strike out, you know, in baseball, then I still suck. It doesn't matter that I tried my best and I like I suck because I right. struck out, you know, and it's it's that. And so like with the picnic thing, it's like I can plan and all this but then if it rains and the picnic gets ruined then i still suck i should have watched the weather I better i should have i should have been able weekend. to do yeah, yeah. i knew this was the wrong saturday to plan a picnic for yeah it. and see the planning and all that's great like that's a good quality to have right. like yeah i planned and oh i brought a tent just in case <laughs> you know like smart that's smart right <laughs> it's very like tunnel vision it doesn't look at the outside circumstances it's just very like focused on one particular outcome not Nothing aside. It's like all or nothing. It's like yeah. that's what perfectionism is. It's definitely the all or nothing thinking. Like a perfectionist strives for 100 on a test but doesn't get a 96 and think I did a good job. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, I fell short. Whereas oh, a person yeah. who strives for 100 and gets a 96 is generally like, that's awesome. I got a 96. Mm -hmm. It's great. A plus work. And our, there are parts of our society definitely in a lot of careers or places where we are rewarded for that sort of behavior or mentality. I mean, I think back to the, uh, I don't know if you watch sports stuff, you might have watched the Michael Jordan 30 for 30. Uh, what was it called? I can't remember the Michael Jordan one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, they did a whole series on Michael Jordan and ESPN. And 
he's the best basketball player ever, but you could definitely sense like he was a perfectionist and a overachiever when it came to that shit. <laughs> like right. like mm-hmm. it was never good enough. Like just winning a championship wasn't good enough. We got to win five. And then after five, it's like well, that none of that matters. We got to win another one. Like hmm. it just that drive made him great and people loved it. You know? Yeah. And we celebrated. Yeah. We celebrated. But was he happy on the inside? I think it, I mean, so as a sometimes shallow person, the the show doesn't go into necessarily a lot of his intimate relationships. But when you make billions of dollars, it's easy to think, well, how are you not fucking happy? Right? <laughs> when you have all that money and the world loves you, how are you not happy? <laughs> but I know that's not real. But that's that's the way it looks on a TV show, you know. Yeah. This mentions that, you know, and it refers to these other people that aren't perfectionists as high achievers. Um, I, I don't know that that's a really great distinction, but it says that healthier people would generally are kind of pulled toward their toward their goals for a desire to achieve, whereas perfectionists are pushed away from this fear of not achieving towards so i i don't know how much i buy into that but i think it's an interesting concept Mm -hmm. that like there's a different motivation behind people who put in the effort in hopes to achieve versus people who fear not achieving because of what that not achieving will mean about them yeah and i i did sort of come across some people discussing that there are are different little nuancy differences there there's a difference of being someone who's afraid to fail and then there's the people who are afraid of not being perfect. Mm. And those are little nuances, but they're differences of what that might look like in someone's life. I know in parenting, like with my seven-year-old, I'm trying to encourage her like to think like when she misses the mark, it's like, well, you just made a mistake, learn from it and try again. Not like, oh, you're a failure. I'm trying to help her with her internal dialogue there. Interestingly, this says procrastination because it seems paradoxical that perfect perfectionists oh, yeah. would procrastinate. But I, I can feel that because there would be this idea of like, I'm not going to do it perfect. So I don't want to start. Right. I don't yeah, have I'm the ability try. to invest. Like, yeah. I'd yeah. rather just not try and then tell myself I could do it perfect if I tried because that's, I feel like that was my high school career. I still do that all the time. That's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I still do that now. That's absolutely my deal. Like, yeah, I procrastinate for perfectionism reasons all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, like I've been invited to write stuff, but I won't start because I'm like, I can't, I can't do it right. You know, I can't do it perfectly. And money, like when it comes to like doing household finances, I procrastinate the shit out of that because it's not like the perfect book, like account layout you know and i'll just put it off and just wing it yeah, when i the, could be like saving money and stuff but yeah or the effort to do it right like it takes so much effort rather than like oh, i'm just gonna go paint this room like no i need like an oh, entire yeah. weekend uh-huh. to like clean the room out and sand yeah, and spackle oh. all the spots yeah. so i'm like oh, i'm never gonna have a whole weekend so i'm just not even gonna start gonna drip exactly. some of this on the rug i'm not gonna do this shit. yeah <laughs> So you don't even try Mm because you make excuses like, well, eventually I'll get a whole weekend that I can dedicate to this and then I'll start on it. It talks about defensiveness and says that, uh, you know, less than perfect performance could be so painful and scary that perfectionists don't take constructive criticism well at all. They're very defensive towards any criticism that they might be doing something not in the most ideal way, whereas other people might be able to take constructive criticism and improve for the next time. Perfectionists might either argue or, or hate the person or just stop doing that behavior. Like, oh, I didn't play that song perfect. I'll never play guitar again. It's useless. Guilty. 
and I am my own worst critic most of the time. So I'm critical of other people. I'm highly critical of, you know, my kids or people at work or any of that stuff. But I am my own worst critic, you know, like I constantly, nothing's ever good enough in my own head. You know, I'm harder on myself than I am on most people. Am I my own worst critic or is it just that no one else thinks about me as often as I do? Because <laughs> they might criticize me just as much as I do if they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in, in in just things that I put effort into or that I do, like I'm I'm not happy with most of my efforts of things. I'm constantly just looking at my outputs and not, you know, being okay with what I'm doing. Interestingly, Brene Brown has this like self-assessment quiz that talks about personality traits and moving away from kind of being like this inner critical person to this like healthier version of you. And the opposite of, uh, I, I want to say creativity on her list was perfectionism. Because when we have this idea of being perfect, there doesn't leave any space for like playfulness or art or creating anything. And I found that fascinating for me because I'm a person, A, that has often identified as a perfectionist, but also B, has always just said, I suck at art. Oh, I don't like doing art. I'm not good at that. And anytime, like you go to a lot of these therapy trainings or retreats or anything, and they're like, oh, we're going to do a vision board. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's going to look stupid compared to everybody else's. I don't have vision. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like... I'm very similar. I don't like art stuff. And I tend to be more geared towards like math because right. math has an absolute answer. <laughs> like right. There is a right that I know is right, <laughs> you know, it's but, not subjective. <laughs> what I'm finding is just this, this ability or, or this time frame with that information to be able to tell myself like, Hey, this is okay. Like, let's just be playful and see what happens. It doesn't have to meet anybody else's standards or, you know, it doesn't have to be compared to anything. Like, it's not about comparison. It's just about creativity. And I, I just, I don't know. I found that fascinating. This idea that like comparison is the opposite of creativity and perfectionism and how it alters. Like I can, I can do art. I mm -hmm. can be creative. It doesn't mean I can't. I'm allowed to. It doesn't have to be anybody else's pretty or, or beautiful. This might be a Brene Brown thing, but the expression normalize failure, it sounds like something she would say, but <laughs> yeah, like normalize failure. Like it's okay to fuck up. You're just playing around. Like you said, just being playful. There's a book I came across recently and I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but it was fascinating. And it was uh, part of what the guy was suggesting was that you go out and find your failure limit on different things like he would say, like, you pick something that you want to do. Say you like to run or you like to swim or you like to bike. And then you say, all right, well, what is like a reasonable, like if I was going to go run, could I run five miles? Yeah, I could probably run five miles. Okay, well, what about 20 miles? Like, I probably couldn't run 20 miles. And then you go run 30 miles because <laughs> you need to just go and figure out like where your failure spot is because it's important to know like kind of your – to figure out like one – what your limits are, but two, that it's okay to come up short on things if you just try and put the effort in. Like, mm. that's healthy, healthy struggles. Right now, I give myself 1.2. <laughs> Can probably run 1.2 miles. <laughs> Tops. So, I have a quiz for you guys. You guys want to take a quiz? Always want to take a quiz. Oh, yeah. What was that quiz we did where we both laughed because we identified so much? Uh, what was the topic? Was it the one trauma there? one? The no, one? no, that wasn't funny that we identified. <laughs> <laughs> There was another one. I feel like it was like tied into perfectionism, but it was. 
like ego. Oh ego yeah, quiz. ego. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, know, I'm I'm anticipating this might be as yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a difference. So now in my life though, and this may come up after the quiz, but. The difference with me now than, say, five or ten years ago, and I attribute a lot of this to meditation, is that I, I still think a lot of the same perfectionist shit. I just don't – it doesn't overwhelm me as much, and I'm, I can sort of sit back and, like, relax a minute and go, okay, wait a minute. It's fucking good enough. Just mm. let it go. It's okay. You know what I mean? You don't – like, I recognize what my head is telling me, and I don't have to react on this. So I've gotten better with it, but the thinking is still there. <laughs> so interestingly, yeah. we just talked about nostalgia on our last episode when you were at the convention. And um, I, I almost feel like it ties into that because my perfectionism isn't only for me, right? Thinking about going out shopping. And, and of course we went out Black Friday, but I was like, well, if we go later in the day, it won't be that bad or that crowded. And what I really wanted was this nostalgic experience of being able to go out on a weekday morning when the mall was empty and just peacefully walk through. And so like my perfectionism isn't just about what it looks like in my life or what I'm doing, but it's also the scene around me. I'm like, well, this mall isn't fucking perfect. It's too crowded. Right. Like, so like perfectionism ties into this. And I think we kind of mentioned that on nostalgia, this idea that like, I'm trying to make the present version of my life look like this idealized version of my past. That probably didn't even look like that. It probably didn't even look like that. It wasn't that empty of the goddamn mall, but you know, for me, it's like I was the sole person walking along. It was so quiet. I heard my footsteps in the hallway and shit. Like all the stores were open just for you. Right. Right. I was walking by, people were high fiving me. Jason, come in and look at our stuff. (laughs) Fucking nostalgia. Anyway. Well I think, you know, inner world reflects the outer world. So like how you talk to yourself is reflective of how you talk to your family members is reflective of how you view them all you know on oh a friday my God. morning perfectionism and parenting like i mm-hmm. i have this sanitized version i was like i was the perfect model fucking eight-year-old why are you not yeah. <laughs> like, no i wasn't i was probably a shitty whiny little eight-year-old my son just had to go he had some teeth issues he, he was not very receptive to them fixing it while he was awake so we had to go take him to the Ooh, hospital yeah and, and get him you know put to sleep while he got his teeth worked on I had the same shit when I had to pull a tooth at around his age, right? And, like, he came home all out of it and wacky and fucked up from the medicine. And and I'm like, I I wasn't like that. I was totally (laughs) fine right after. (laughs) No, the fuck I wasn't. There's no way I was okay. Right. Let's get the real story. I don't trust my mom's memory, though. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But, yeah, I definitely recognized that thought when I had it. I was like, I was fine afterwards. (laughs) No, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. All right quiz time oh quiz time all right so um as we're going through this quiz are you going to answer based on how you are now or how you were or maybe okay all right then (laughs) let's proceed when you're finishing a project at work when do you decide to move on there's three choices i like to get things out of the way as soon as possible and move on i will check it once i've finished but i don't like to spend lots of time adding finishing touches or I'll go over it again and again until it's the best project that it can be. Ooh, what mood am I in? <laughs> what mood am I in when I finish this project? Get it out of the way ASAP. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's hard because I don't or... really do projects like that in my work, but I don't say I'm done with anything until it's perfect. Like until I'm, Okay. I'll go over it a lot. It's tricky, right? So when I was in school writing papers, 
I didn't give him a second glance because I was like, ah, I write fucking great. It would be perfect the first time. <laughs> ah. I'm not doing a rough draft. <laughs> uh, but then I'm picturing like doing projects around my house. And I feel like I went the other way with it. I would get halfway into like, we, we got a dog and then realized there was no door that went into the backyard. And so like it rained one day and I had to like literally carry the dog from the door through the back gate to get into the backyard to let it go. to the ba- I was like, I am not doing this when the dog has to go to the bathroom in the rain. So I cut out this window and just fucking took a big chunk out of my wall and put a door in and then just stopped once the door was in, like never finished any of the wall. <laughs> like 10 years later, the wall was still fucking look like I just hacked it together. I was like, I'm fucking done. But I think it was the fear that I didn't know how to do the rest of the steps. Like I was ah. scared enough to put the door in, but I needed it. But now once it's in and functional, like I, I don't want to try to make it look perfect because it won't. <laughs> right. It won't. It won't <laughs> ever look perfect. I'm doing so. right. Well, I tri- so I read a different sort of quiz. I was looking through different stuff, and it, they had a question in there that was something to the effect of, and this might help you a little bit, Jason, because it helps me to put that in a different context. It was something to the effect of, if I have to send a three-line email at work, you know, it's like I type it and send it, oh or I take 25 minutes to go over it several times before I send it. And that's me. Like, I'll... Like, even if it's just a three line, oh. something I'm trying to send to somebody, I will edit and edit and edit it until it's perfect until I'm like, okay, that's the exact way I want to say that. So, yes, that does help <laughs> yeah. a lot. And what I do I, all day long, because I have, we have Microsoft Teams, like little messages to each other and shit. And I'm like, I'll type something out. I'm like, ah, this is funny. I'm going to send it. And, <laughs> and I'm leave like, it in the queue. <laughs> Maybe I'm not going to send that. And then I'll come back like 30 minutes later and I'm like, nope, just delete that shit. That was stupid, right? And then I'll come back an hour later like, no, nah, I'm going to rewrite this again, right? Yeah, all oh, day I'll leave the drafts long. in oh, wow. my email and like leave them <laughs> sit there. If it doesn't have to go out right away, I'm like, I'll leave this sit here because I can send it later. And just in case I think of something, <laughs> I frequently just don't talk. Like I'll be sitting somewhere in a group of people and I'm like, I got something to add to this. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> don't say anything. Just sit here and listen. <laughs> You're better off that way. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess um, that answers that. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question. How often do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough? All the time? Now and then? Never. <sighs> Between all the time and now and then? Yeah, I'm all the time. I- I'm not all the time. Again, the difference now is I'm better at not. Like, I'm like, that's stupid. You know what I mean? Like, stop <laughs> saying that to yourself. Like, that's just Catching silly. yourself? Yeah. Mm, that's kind of invalidating, though. Like, it's there for a reason. Like it's if if you talk about internal family systems, right, and and parts theory, there's this part of you that has clung to this idea that it needs to practice perfectionism in order to avoid this terrible negative outcome, whatever that part thinks that might be, right? Looking bad, feeling stupid, you know, uh, you might as well kill yourself because you're just not worth it. Whatever that could happen at the end of that, so it has adapted this survival skill of being a perfectionist, and to just like pass it off and say that's fucking dumb i get it i do the same thing i'm not knocking you for it but like i feel like we don't acknowledge that that part is feeling this burden and carrying it with it and it's almost like we want to be thankful like hey thank you i get it you're trying to do this in service of saving my life i appreciate that but let's have a talk about why we do this and if we still need to like it might have been really relevant at a point in my life where i needed it now I think I can probably get by not being perfect. So let's have a conversation about that. 
Oh, see, mine's way more obvious and traumatic. So <laughs> I here's what I picture when I think of that. It's like I'm whatever, baking a cake in the kitchen, and I drop the fucking bowl of batter on the floor. And I'm like, oh, you're a fucking more Like, what kind of fucking idiot are you? Like, that's the first mm-hmm. thing that yeah. I think. And where that's from is because if my mom was standing there, that's exactly what she would say. You're a <laughs> fucking idiot. What are you doing? Clean that shit up. Like, that's how I grew up. <sighs> so that's where it comes from for me. That's a monologue that came from my parenting. <laughs> like, yeah. so, so that's the internal voice that I hear now is like, what are you doing, you fucking idiot? Aww. Like, how could you? <laughs> and, and, and the IFS, the internal family systems therapy, would say that that's a, a... – that's the monologue. It came from mom, but a part of you took that on as a burden to make you not have to deal with that. My mom doesn't love me feeling right. And so to invalidate it is kind of still doing the same thing and saying you're worthless. Just shut the fuck up. Whereas we need to like, thank it. Like, Hey, I get it. You, you took this on, you're hurt. Let's talk. And you know, talking to parts of yourself might sound kind of crazy to people outside the therapy world, but <laughs> that's uh, the theory. Yeah. Not too crazy. Cause, um, Somewhere in my recovery journey, somebody said, you know, give your inner critic a personality. What does he or she look like? What's she dress? What's she do? So I did this exercise and it was really helpful. Like, you know, I had this woman in my head and you know what, when I broke it down, was I was like, name Juanita? No, it was Sharon. <laughs> and, um, That's my when, mom's name. You had oh my, my mom. God. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god. Holy shit, your mom wow. fucked up Jenny too. <laughs> my mom fucked you up too. <laughs> but it was my mom. Actually, when I when I figured out who she looked like, it was my mom and my grandmom in the eighties. Like a Ooh. hybrid of my mom and grandmother in the eighties. I'm like, oh my god, that's my inner critic. Huh. And it was super helpful. So yeah. to figure that out. Sharon. I know. Well, you know, the practice was like when Sharon would pipe up, I'm like, you know what, Sharon? That's not helpful right now. I, I gotta do some other work. So Huh. It was it was a nice you know talking to myself so <laughs> yeah mine's a little more like I because I, I do follow up with like I don't just say that stupid I'll say like y- you made a mistake it's fine it's just clean it up and it's not a big deal like mm. you really need to but I know I need therapy so that's- <laughs> <laughs> I broke a plate this week too from uh, like Thanksgiving I swear it just like popped off the table I was like what. <sighs> We were looking at the Christmas decorations uh, yesterday and not my kids, but some other kid had broken something and I, I didn't watch that, but I saw the lady come over to clean it up and she was like, look with your eyes. <laughs> what? And I was like, oh, I hope my kids don't break it. Oh. <laughs> that is not going to be good for any of us. No. Oh, one year my kid broke an ornament and I like snapped. I was so tense and I felt so bad. I think I have long since made up for it, but like. You know, it was like an old ornament from, you know, the 80s and it, and it broke. And I was like, no, I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to do to my kids exactly what they did to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, look, my seven year old, I call him bouncy man. I'm like, he does not stand still. He is bouncing all over. He'll be having a conversation with you, like falling on the couch, bouncing off the wall and shit, tripping <laughs> over so his own this, feet, yeah. falling on his face. I'm like, you're going to fucking kill yourself, dude. Like. <laughs> But I was like, oh, my God, he is going to break something here. You brought him to an ornament display? Fuck yeah, they're all glass. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man, Bouncy Man is coming to haunt me. All right, all right. Next Um, one. All right, yeah, so let me check. So how often? I'm going to put now and then. Um, Okay. You post on social media and notice that you've made a typo. What do you do? Panic? Change and delete it before anyone sees it? Yep. <laughs> change it when you get a free it. moment or ignore it fuck no panic change, yeah panic and delete it right away. and then cuss out the social media service for not having an edit <laughs> mm-hmm. button right for not Those making fuckers. it wait i gotta redo this oh. damn it 
It's one of my fears of texts. Once you say them, send them, you can't get them back. It's already got 15 likes. I don't want to delete it and start oh, over. Yeah. Fuckers, just let me edit it. I have if to I... correct a misspelling in a text by sending another text with the corrected word. I've messed up like the version of there and be like, oh no, I'm not one of them. Oh no. Or your. <laughs> yeah. How good are your organizational skills? One, impeccable. I have lists and spreadsheets for everything. Ooh. Two, I try to be organized, but I usually lose interest after a little while. Or three, I seem chaotic, but I know exactly where to find everything. So I don't have good organizational skills as far as physical stuff around me, but my solution to that is just not have shit. I'm like, I'll just have nothing. That way I can keep it all nice and orderly. But yeah, my my spreadsheets, my lists, my calendar, holy fuck. Oh yeah, that calendar. Oh, and God. I'm three. I, I don't or I just think I know where everything is. <laughs> yeah, I'm very chaotic. Oh, wow. This is interesting how ego affects perfectionism sometimes. I saw <laughs> yeah. it with my papers in school. Like, yeah, no, it's fucking perfect. I wrote it perfect the first time. I couldn't have made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to rank this one for the quiz, so the outcome's going to be like a little weird, but yeah, ah, that's all right. Conversation's good. Just list them all as the worst one. <laughs> all right. I'm going to put chaotic just because I like the idea of it. Um, are you motivated by praise from others? Yes, very much so. Or I like praise, but it's not what motivates me or not at all. Ooh, so this is definitely a difference in the past for me. Big yeah. difference. Like pats on the back and on the head. You're a good little boy. Yeah. You're a good boy. I'm, oh, I mean, I'm yeah. still motivated by praise. Yeah. I still want it, but I'm not as motivated by it. Like I've noticed that in my job. Like I want my boss and my, my elder coworkers to like me and, and think I'm doing a good job. But like in the midst of my daily life, I'm like, I'm going to do what I think is the right thing. Fuck them. So in the lo we've done the love languages test, the five love languages. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's I've heard about it. Sounds of, cool. Yeah. You pick your love. Anyway, mine's words of affirmation. Mm. So, <laughs> which is praise. Yeah. <laughs> That's really awesome of you, Billy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm smiling already. <laughs> uh, I'm so motivated by praise. I don't think I am, but then when I get it, I'm like, yeah, you're happy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Um, do your parents have high expectations? Yes, they always pushed me to work hard. Or no, they were happy for me to find my own path. Or yes, they've always been encouraging and supportive. Number one. Yeah, my my mom was number one. Okay. My dad was number two, but he's quiet and passive, so he didn't... My mom definitely wore the pants in the family, so... I was in third grade and I won first runner up in the citywide math contest for elementary school students. And I walked in the door with this like giant trophy for being second place in elementary school students in Baltimore City. And the first words out of my dad's mouth were, oh, man, we're going to study up and get them next year. <laughs> oh. I never entered another math contest. Yeah. Gosh. 
Oh, man. I, you know, my parents will say they were the no, they were happy for me to find my own path, but that's not how their actions reflected, you know, so they always pushed me. And I have a traumatic, like, elementary school memory. So we went to a Catholic school when I was a kid, and in the morning you do the Pledge of Allegiance and then the Lord's Prayer every morning, and I, you know, they pick a kid to do it. And I was probably second grade, what are you, six, seven years old, yeah. and I messed up, and the nun principal like fucking let me have it afterwards tell me i can never do it again wow because <laughs> i messed it up so to go deeper into my my math story the reason my father found out what place i was when i came home was because his presence made me too fucking nervous to mess up so i wouldn't let him go mm. <laughs> If that tells you anything about uh, what kind of yeah. critic he was. Tell him he wasn't allowed to come. <laughs> like, you can't come, dude. You make me too nervous. <laughs> I got to be perfect when you're here. Wow. Oof. Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah, they were, they were there. They were critical. All right. Here's the last question. How do you feel about failure? I know that I can't control everything in life, so sometimes I will get things wrong. It doesn't bother me. I'm a very resilient person. I'm terrified of failure, and I hate to make mistakes. Three. Mm. What was the second one? It doesn't bother me. I'm a very resilient person. And what was the first one? I know that I can't control everything in life, so sometimes I will get things wrong. I feel like these need like five. Like we we need spaces in between. Yeah. It's, okay. It's not the third one, but it's it's definitely not the second one either. Well, I'm going off gut reaction. So there's the intellectual part of my brain that would tell me the first one. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where that meditation has helped me over the years. It's like. When I don't just immediately react to my gut, I have that moment where I can be like, all right, let's like get a more realistic view of this. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Yeah, my gut reaction is like, yeah, number three. But then if I give it a second, it's number one. Right. I so know that I can't control everything. I'm picturing I, I missed a meeting with my supervisor like a few months back and <clears throat> somehow I forgot about it. And, and like it was like I, I guess there was that initial split second like. Oh, right. But then like really, really quickly afterwards, it was like, it happens. It's not that big a deal. She's not even going to care. She's probably going to be happy. She has a free hour in her day. <laughs> but, but I remember texting her and, and expressing to her, like, I kind of missed the part of me that hated myself more because I made less mistakes then. <laughs> like I'm allowed right. to make mistakes now because I know it's okay. And I, and there's some self-love involved in it and it's not going to be that big a deal. But like, when I wasn't allowed to make mistakes for my own reasons, I was way better. <laughs> See, and I tend to tell myself that that is a lie, that I didn't make less mistakes. I just covered them up. Yeah, or rationalized or justified Probably. things and made excuses for them. Well, mm -hmm. I know this. Before I went and got some like pretty intensive therapy, I was like at the gym at least five days a week, if not six. Like, and if I missed, if I had to miss because it's the holidays and they're closed on Christmas or, or, you know, we had family functions and I couldn't get there, that like really fucked my mood up. It was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose all these gains I got and all this, right? After I got healing from some of that shit, I, you know, three, four days a week, whatever, it's all good. Like I just get here and it's not that big a deal to miss and it's no big deal to take a day or two off when you need to. And, and I'm like, okay. But I looked better than <laughs> like so, there was something to that self-hatred. Like I was getting something out of that. There was mm -hmm. a reward. And I get that. I guess what what I've done to 
combat that is if you read enough things on the internet, you can find like <laughs> if you find articles about lifting weights over forty, so I'm over forty, uh. then they'll tell you like, oh, that's really healthy to miss a day every now and again, or to take it easy certain times. I'm like, yeah, see, I'm doing it perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was doing it right, even without knowing it. I knew I was right. (laughs) Well, that was the last question on the quiz. Um, We failed. Are we perfect? (laughs) I think, yeah, it just says, oh, God, you guys are really fucked up. That's what it says. (laughs) You should just say you're perfect. (laughs) You definitely got it right. Uh, It says, you're a complete perfectionist, and you like to spend ages working on your project until it's the best it possibly can be. You love to receive praise for your organizational skills and attention to detail. Although these are great qualities, try to relax a little bit. Sometimes good enough is okay, and the world won't end if you make a mistake. That was deep. That was deep, guys. It should say, these are the best two outcomes we've ever had for the perfectionist test. Better than all (laughs) other people who have taken this test. You guys have really got it figured out. Yeah. and. I guess I heard something recently that I, is it sticks with me in a lot of areas of my life, but specifically in this one. And it was a a book. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's called Ten Percent Happier. It's about a. Oh, he's got a podcast too. Oh, does he? Okay. Well, the book's pretty good. And uh, anyway, he says something in there. He was meeting with a meditation teacher, and they're talking back and forth about you know like obsessing about things or or overthinking about things, and you know they're trying to figure out like, well, what's a good balance of thinking about things and it's kind of like it's good as long as it's helpful when it's no longer helpful it's no longer good to obsess about things and that's where i've gotten with this perfectionism thing like was it helpful for me to keep thinking about this or does this really need to be perfect like is that a benefit for me in any way and that's helped me kind of let go like no in this situation this is fine the way it is like having it a little bit better isn't going to make any difference. Yeah, I have heard about um, finding power in your imperfection. Like, it's not that you it's you made a mistake. It's not that you are a mistake. And what can you do to make it better? So, like, doing, like, the silver lining tidbit with your imperfection. Like, all right, well, well here's a some, clue to make it better. Yeah, there's some kind of Japanese art about that isn't it like this oh yeah it's the imperfection in the thing mm-hmm. that makes it the art it's, right like so they they repair cracked bowls with gold because yeah it's the imperfection that makes it so yeah beautiful. you highlight the imperfection mm-hmm. because it's you know again in our i guess society being perfect is a thing everyone aspires to with advertising and modeling and how you look mm-hmm. and what you wear and you got to be a certain way. And I guess in a lot of other cultures, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> well, yeah, in Buddhist recovery, we have, uh, in recovery Dharma, we have the saying impersonal, impermanent, and imperfect. Hmm. And that's, those are like the three rules. So I did find a thing that was some of the symptoms that you're a perfectionist. And I was like, oh, I could probably identify with all of these. Uh, hyperventilation, which... I used to get that, and I didn't know what it was. I used to think I had asthma because I didn't huh. – and it was like an onset panic attack is what it was. Yeah. Like I would get to this point where I could – and I went and had, you know, tests done, and they're like, no, nah, you're – you know, medically you're okay, but you they never described it as any sort of panic attack because I never, I'm sure, told them how I felt. I just described what symptoms I was having. So they would prescribe me like inhalers and shit. 
<laughs> I didn't know what it was. I just thought, oh, I must have some kind of fucking. And that's from perfectionism. Yeah, that's so funny because I I supposedly yeah, it's, had. It gets overwhelming. Huh. Yeah, I was diagnosed with asthma as a kid too, and I had an inhaler, and then one day I just didn't need it anymore. <laughs> I wonder. We'll never right, know. So muscle tension, headaches, and stomach pain. Mm. So those are all signs of perfectionism. So, and I did find there's a word that they call like perfectionism to its extremes i guess it's called atelophobia uh i'm probably not saying that perfect so <laughs> but that was like the extreme version of uh perfectionism where it becomes like a phobia like you're you're so overwhelmed with mm-hmm. failing at something or, or not being perfect at something so you just don't do anything uh that can happen or you just break down when you do make mistakes that's huh. the other part of it. is that like people who get and i feel like fears get conditioned and, and power from when we don't like when we live by the fear so like people who get nervous about going out of their house and start having fears about leaving their house like they every time they don't leave their house they strengthen that fear and that conviction that going out will be bad and i feel like that would be the same way like oh well i can't do these things because they won't be perfect i remember wanting to go to an amusement park that i had never been to i was like god 25 years old or something and i was like oh we should go to this amusement park that i've never been to and i was like i can't do that i won't know where to buy tickets or i might not know where to park and it's going to be overwhelming to think of like trying to find the right place to park and what if i park in the wrong place and what if i don't know the way to walk to where the ticket booth is and like at the time that seemed so valid, right? And like so much of a thing that I was just, I can't do this thing I've never done because I'll look stupid for not knowing how to do it. And looking back now, it's like, well, how the fuck would you ever do anything you didn't <laughs> right. grow up with? Like it'd be impossible to do anything and I'd never go anywhere and I'd never leave the country and and I didn't. Like I, I just stayed in this little, you know, four block radius in my neighborhood. <laughs> and see, that same thing hits me in a, slightly different way so if we would go somewhere or when we go somewhere and then we park and then we go in and then we come out i'm like oh why the fuck didn't we park over there look at those people are way closer and then the whole ride home like if we ever fucking come back here again i'm fucking parking over there because that was the right place to park i obviously parked in the wrong place and it'll be the same with getting tickets you know what i mean oh how did I not know? I should have bought the tickets online and I could have bypassed this whole fucking line and it was a discount. Like, oh, I right. did it wrong. <laughs> and like, I will, like, I can't let that shit go. I beat myself up over huh. doing that stuff. I still think about this online argument I had in a, a website's comment section with a guy about whether protein shakes were good for you or not proven science for after working out. And like, <laughs> I have had a good comeback for him for about. <laughs> 23 years now. waiting for the occasion <laughs> and i'm like god damn it why didn't i think of this like in that moment i could have said it and proved him wrong and i'd have been right and you know panties would have rained from the sky <laughs> on my head like yes i got it right i'm a champion somebody would have like broke through the wall and put me on their shoulders and ran me around the neighborhood or something i don't know what the fuck i thought would happen and i but. definitely I, I will relive conversations or situations like that in my head and like later in the day be like ah why didn't I say this? Like, that would have been uh, the perfect comeback for that situation. Right. Yes. That would have been the best answer. Like, fuck. <laughs> I'll have similar, like, similar to you, Billy. Like, well, I'll have this, like, awesome, excellent day trip with my daughter. But then what is the one memory that haunts me 
you know, for the rest of my days was when I, I fucked up our lunch order or something. <laughs> now the whole, like the other 12 hours of the day were like magnificent, but I'll just, I'll burn with rage and embarrassment about the dumb lunch order. Who cares? You know? So if I remember in this exact situation, in this exact <laughs> yeah. moment again, I will not make uh-huh. this. I've had to have like serious conversations with myself, like, let that shit go. You yeah. had an awesome day, Jenny. You're going to ruin it. You're going to ruin it. So that's interesting. In that sense, it almost seems like perfectionism is the anti-nostalgia, right? So like mm-hmm. with this nostalgia idea, mm-hmm. it was I had this full past year of drug use that I'm looking back on. 364 days of that were shit. But I remember that one glorious morning where the sun (laughs) was out and it was nice temperature and I copped because I had money and I was comfortable all day. Whereas perfectionism seemed to be the opposite when you described it, right? Like I had this great, beautiful day, but I'm clung to this moment of like when it didn't go well or when I didn't perform to expectation. Mm-hmm. Huh. I know when when we when I was preparing for these two topics, I was I did kind of interrelate them and thought about how they related. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So how does that work when we have so I have nostalgia about the past because I think life was more tolerable or less miserable then do I need that nostalgia to keep surviving because my perfectionism in the present says that I only do things bad? So I don't have nostalgia like at all. Not no, not really. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you I ever? don't I don't know what that Wait a minute. You were just at a convention and you were like having fun with friends and like reconnecting. And isn't that a little bit of nostalgia? Like, oh, remember we all got sober together. You know? uh, no, I didn't. This is none of those people. All right. <laughs> like, this wasn't Do you any ever look back to the good old days? Well, you know, we won't even go too far in the past. Like the good old days of like, oh, man, remember getting sober 21 years ago with so-and-so. I mean, I have fond memories of stuff that are old memories. Like the warm fuzzies? Huh. But are they are they sanitized versions of the truth? That's what I'm running through my head. Like, are these? I mean, I'm sure to some degree because I know my memories failed, and we right. tend to remember things in our own weird way, hmm. different than reality. Huh. I guess it's good he wasn't here for nostalgia. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I just like, think I don't like understand. I, yeah. I mean, I, we were just talking about growing up in the city, like because we drove through the city to come back, and I was like, I remember growing up in the city. I was like, that's been twenty some years ago. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it was good or bad. It just that was an experience that I had. Like, I, don't, I mean, there was some good stuff about it. There was some bad things about it. It was part of growing up in the city. Hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Huh. Weird. And then it's same with me. Like, I think the meetings things were different when I first got clean, but I don't know if they were better. I mean, I, I definitely know. think they were better, but that might be my <laughs> nostalgia. So what we came up with a little bit, at least, I think my nostalgia stems from the fact of being unhappy in the present, right? Just like, I, that's when I find myself going for nostalgia. Like, man, I miss those times when I was a teenager and just goofing off and I'll never get that again. It's like a very depressing nostalgia for me of this past was great and now sucks. So maybe, maybe you're always happy now. So you don't need mm-hmm. nostalgia. I feel like it's a over awareness of reality oh. that makes all your memories sort of like uh, everything's got a negative. <laughs> so you're, just, you're a past tense pessimist. <laughs> well, thinking like, Cynic. all right, I'd like to take my kid down to a football game, you know, down in the city. I'm like, oof, 
do we really want to deal with all that? That's a lot of busy shit and traffic and parking and fuck, it's expensive. <laughs> is this another concept? Is this not nostalgia or perfection? Is this like this idea? Because I have that same kind of feeling go on when I think about doing things. I'm like, that feels like a lot of work. And it's not that I won't do it. I'll probably end up taking my kid uh, to a football I game. Won't. But I'm like, but before I do it, I'm like, I need to weigh out all these this situation to see if this is really. <laughs> but is that, I think there's something to that. Like, that's almost, and I don't know if it has a name. Maybe it does. Maybe it already exists. And it somebody's sounds already like cynicism. This. Cynicism, maybe? That's what it sounds like. Huh. Just this idea of, like, I, I always look for, well, yeah, this sounds like it could be a good event. But what's really going to happen is this. And then I lay out all these, not really catastrophizing, but shit that I don't want to deal with, like parking and traffic and hassles and expensive food. Just thinking about this football game idea. Like, I always lay it out. I can't ever just think that's going to be a fun experience with my son. It's hmm. like, uh, there's going to be all these hassles that I just don't really want to put myself in position to deal with. Well, I try to, I, I and I guess indirectly this is like what i consider is like a buddhist teaching like there's a balance to everything so like when i think about a convention like my immediate knee-jerk reaction is i'm gonna fucking hate it it's gonna be way too many people it's gonna be way too busy i'm not gonna enjoy myself it's not gonna be a fun time and then i'll sit back and go wait a minute there are some benefits to it you can hit some meetings you can hear a good message probably hear some good speakers i usually get good speakers and maybe you'll see some people that you haven't seen in a while well, that could be kind of cool you know, and then I'll sort of find a middle ground with it, mm. whereas same the other way. Like, oh, yeah, let's go to a football game. Like, uh, wait a minute. There's a lot that goes into going to a football game, <laughs> you know. And so I always want to, like, nothing's ever all the way good or all the way bad. And so I want to try to think that through. You know, we talked about that a little bit on that expectations episode. The idea of, like, how we set ourselves up to be disappointed by having too high expectations. Mm. But I, I, yeah. I am wondering if there's people that can go into it more for the experience. Like, I feel like my wife could go into uh, going to a football game with one of our kids for the experience of spending time with the kid. And none of that other shit would matter. Like she wouldn't care that, that drinks were $8. She wouldn't give a fuck that they sat in traffic because mm -hmm. they would make it fun. Like she would just be able to go into it for the experience of spending time with them. And even if, they were a crappy little shit that day, right? Even if they were like complaining that they were there and didn't want to be there, like she would find a way to make that a fun, memorable experience for her. And I'm like, I don't have that fucking ability. I can <laughs> so do that with that? new things. Like, so if it's a thing I've never done before, like I've been to lots of different shows of different kinds, you know, comedy shows and magic shows and fucking blue man group and plays and all that stuff. And I'll go into any of that stuff with just this totally open mind of like, all right, I don't know what's going to happen. So let's just see what happens. Hmm. And every experience I come out of like that, like half the reason I do the things I do is for the experience. Like it's just to have the experience. I don't know if this is the perfectionist in me, but I have to plan to let go. <laughs> like, so like, you know, like I'm, I'm going to the city on Wednesday with my daughter and um, I'll plan a little bit, but I have to plan to be like, well, see what happens. Cause I can be a perfectionist and plan out where we're going to eat, what we're going to see. You know, like I do that perfect planner thing and then I can get a little heated if it doesn't go my way. So I have to like plan to mm. be like, okay, well, this is just going to be like, freestyle for a little while and see that's why i don't plan anymore because mm -hmm. i do that if i plan shit out then i'm too 
regimented in my plan mm-hmm. that I'd have no flexibility. So it's easier to, and it drives my wife crazy because she's like, I would say healthy and that she'll plan some stuff. But then if it doesn't go that way, she's totally flexible. And I don't have that muscle at all. It's like if we plan it this way, like this is the fucking way it's got to go. There's a reason we so plan it So it's easier it this to way. just wing the whole thing, which creates its own amount of chaos. But I do have to learn to roll with it more, but I'm working on it. So when you when you say that you can do it with new events, is that because with previous events you have like a nostalgic memory of what it's supposed to be again this time? And that's what causes the friction, that it doesn't live up to this perfect memory that's not actually what happened? Yeah, or then there's a perfect way to do it. Like, there's Mm. a best way to have that new experience. You know, I've been through this experience once, so now I should know what's the best way to deal with this. Where's the best place to park? Where do you want to be? What's the best way to get out and get back home? And So it's interesting. I I feel like I'm in the same place as you. I don't have that middle ground muscle to flex either. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, either we plan this whole thing out to the fucking dot or so we're, we're talking about taking a three week, like RV across the fucking America this summer. How cool. And I'm like, this seems way too, (laughs) well, it seems way too hard to plan to the dot. So my default is, well, fuck it. We'll just go. (laughs) And my wife's like, that's not a good idea. I'm like, sure it is. We'll just fucking go. Well, where are we going to stay? I don't know. We'll figure out something. You stay in an RV. She's like, well, you need to book these places because they'll be. I'm like, well, you just, you don't get the one you want. You just keep driving until you find the next one. I don't fucking know. Like, you just do it. And, and I, what she tells me, I'm like, how? I'm like, how come you can be so go with the flow, and then when I'm go with the flow, you can't be? And I think that has something to do with the the homeostasis of energies in people personally. But anyway, I ask her why, and she's like. Well, because you'll be fucking upset if things don't go well. She's like, we got to plan so you don't lose your goddamn mind. Not for me. That's what Jen says I'm like, to me. That's interesting. <laughs> Same I, thing. I think there's a homeostasis, though. Like, I think if me and Billy went to a project together and we were both perfectionists, if his perfectionist tendencies come out first, I'm probably going to fucking default to I don't need to be. Like, I think there's this weird balance Mm. amongst people and their vibes. Mm. I go places where shit is miserable, but if somebody else is already miserable, I'm like, that's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, any other day of my life, this would be the worst thing I've ever done. But he's doing that, so I don't know. Somebody took that job. Yeah. It's really weird how dynamics work like that. And now that you mentioned that, I'm like, I can see that in situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So I I don't know. Uh, This says perfectionism often verges on self-abuse. Perfectionists are hugely hard on themselves with a hatred that is breathtaking at times. Hmm. And I would say that is true. Yeah. yeah. People are hard on themselves. True for me. Uh, so how to counter that? Dealing with your inner critic can be hard. There's a number of things you can do to silence the voice. Uh, there was a study, study done in Australian Catholic University. Oh, that's great. Found that self-compassion can help protect. Uh, the practice of self-kindness consistently reduces the strength of the relationship between maladaptive perfectionism and depression for both adolescents and adults. So self-compassion, how do you cultivate that? There's actually ways to cultivate that. So look online and practice them. Um, you know, it can be taught mindful self-compassion training and yoga have both been proven to help quell the self-criticizing inner voice. Um, and it may be helpful to simply take a moment and acknowledge the fact that whatever goals you set yourself out to achieve in life, it will be difficult and it's okay to not meet them. I don't know. Any other thoughts about perfectionism? This was a good talk. I mean, I, I think for me, I'm not 
perfect. <laughs> um, but the, the work I did with inner critic work was the, the best thing I could do for my perfectionism. Were you and, called her Sharon? Yep. <laughs> me when I worked with Sharon and then of course, meditation, mindfulness, that's always, that's always the underlying helper. Mm. Yeah. And I, it does come back to recovery work that I've done for myself. As you mentioned earlier, a lot of times I look at my defects as assets that are overblown. So like, it's great that I want to do good work and I want to put a lot of effort and quality into things that I do and put my energy into. But when it becomes obsessive, like that takes it to a place where it's no longer healthy. Um, and it's up to me to try to figure out what that balance is, you know, and I get tools and some traits, but the biggest one being when I'm okay with myself, I'm typically okay with telling myself, like, I know I did my best. This is, this is okay. It's not the end of the world. If it's not perfect, like it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, that's sort of a thing I got with a lot of different areas. It can be, you know, a physical thing, an emotional thing, but that's a, that's a storyline I got to tell myself over and over again. Yeah, interestingly, if you think of Star Wars, right, I always thought of, like, the Jedi were the good guys, and, and then you had these bad guys, right, the Darth Vader and all that, but the Jedi never really wanted to, like, wipe out the evil in the world. They wanted to bring balance to the Force, hmm. and that's an interesting concept, kind of like it just made me think of it when you were saying <laughs> that, like, it's not really about wiping out this negative part of me or the evil part of me or anything. It's just about being balanced. Like it's just about having a fair amount of each. It's not really the middle way to, yeah, the, the middle path, right? Like I, I'm not trying to get rid of all of the things that I think are negative. I'm just trying to be even homeostasis. Hmm. All right. So I will not edit this episode perfectly. Um, <laughs> and, and I hope everybody can be compassionate to themselves about their perfectionistic tendencies have a good week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. 